podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law. I am Aditya Trivedi, co-founder of this podcast and your host. In this podcast, we discuss intellectual property rights and competition law updates and invite IPR attorneys, competition lawyers and advocates as our guests. Let's welcome our esteemed guest for today's episode, Mr. Saksham Malik. Welcome, sir. Welcome, Aditya. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Let me introduce you to our audience. Mr. Saksham Malik is a policy consultant and photographer from New Delhi. He works in civil society on policy research and advocacy. His work revolves around interdisciplinary research in the areas of antitrust, technology, and human rights. He is focused on employing tools of policy making, legal aid, advocacy, and capacity building to advance the cause of social justice. He is a senior research associate at the Dialogue, photographer and a policy consultant. And today we are recording episode 9 of this podcast and the title is Humane Antitrust, the need to make social justice a part of competition law and policy. Welcome again, sir. And uh, starting uh, right away from the first question, uh, do you see competition law as a social regulation or economic regulation or both? So essentially, Aditya, I do not believe in the dichotomy of a social regulation or an economic regulation. Um, obviously, they have certain traits which are interested to them, but the dichotomy which has been intricated, uh, which has been in- <clears throat> which has been included in the policy discourse over the past few years, is essentially what has caused this uh, distinguishment between the two. As I see it, every law and policy, including competition law and policy, is a socio-economic legislation and has certain goals which look at not even not only how the markets react but also how people react to the markets and on the other hand when you look at social welfare legislations like the SCST Act uh, essentially it would be considered a social legislation if we believe in the dichotomy but if we look at it from a different vantage point where we see that economic development of uh, the scheduled castes and scheduled tribes is also a necessary is also a necessary point and a necessary <clears throat> goal for the development, social economic development of these uh, underprivileged classes is where we will see actual development and actual growth of different stakeholders. So, as far as competition law is concerned, currently, though in by the dichotomy by what we by what we've seen in the policy discourse, it's an economic legislation primarily. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it should ideally be a social economic legislation without any dichotomy. Thank you, sir, for your observation. It's an interesting observation indeed. Uh, moving forward, uh, let us discuss sir, in the preamble of competition, uh, Constitution of India, it ensures economic justice, social justice to the citizens. Do you think that we have succeeded in providing the same by our antitrust regime in India? Um, I will be blunt about this, Aditya, not in the least uh, that we've been able to achieve this as it has been envisaged in the Constitution. And the reason for that is competition authorities and play ma- uh, policy makers, including in India and around the world, are constantly looking to mimic their American and European counterparts. Now, that is the reason that the Indian framework is much more similar to the European framework than the South African one, which uh, attempts to incorporate social justice considerations. I mean, don't get me wrong, the American and European frameworks are the oldest competition jurisdictions in the world and have rich jurisprudence. So it is inevitable and in fact desirable that our competition policy will be inspired from this. 
but after a certain point you have to look beyond the experience of the global north and learn from the frameworks of uh, less developed nations and see how they have gone about incorporating considerations of social justice within their framework and move beyond that yes <clears throat> thank you sir it's an interesting and very remarkable observation we have to inculcate that or incorporate that in our regulation and uh, we all were waiting for the competition amendment bill but that, that hasn't been passed yet uh, do you think that there was any provision related to social justice or uh, like uh, promoting social justice in the new amendment uh no aditya and the interesting part that on a little bit here is that if you read the clrc report they repeatedly refer to the frameworks of various jurisdictions including the south african jurisdiction and the public interest principles but even the report and the amendment consequently fails to incorporate any of those principles in the final amendment that we have so as far as i know there has there's nothing which looks at the social justice or public interest part of uh, social economic development and despite the fact that policy makers and the people behind the report and the amendment know that there are certain uh, trans- there are certain uh, frameworks that do exist from which from whom we can take inspiration yes sir definitely as so moving forward uh, according to you what is the link what is the interface between competition policy and inclusive growth so essentially i believe that as it uh, if competition or antitrust has to have an important role in inclusive growth and when i say inclusive growth i mean inclusive growth of various stakeholders so the first point that we have to look at is the expansion of stakeholders that we consider as the primary concern of competition law which are consumers and uh, market players we have to move beyond that a little we have to maybe move beyond uh, employees for example now because the way competition law has been uh, framed in the country the focus is essentially on the consumer welfare standard and uh, protecting the interests of <laughs> market players uh, but if you see in europe and in america and in a lot of jurisdictions there is a lot of activity happening in the labor markets as well due to uh, no poaching agreements due to uh, wage fixing agreements and such now that has a relevance in india as well because that essentially extends the scope of protection of competition law to a very important stakeholder which is the employee or the labor formal or informal and that and that um, attains significance because in india we see a lot of uh, anti competitive conduct in the labor market which has overlaps with caste for that matter you will constantly see in a lot of monopsonic uh, monopsonic uh, markets that <clears throat> where there is a single buyer and there are a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of sellers for example in the labor market they essentially have the power to uh, discriminate on the basis of wages on the basis of contractual employment and a lot of times these discriminations or these differences are on the basis of caste now to say that these are not a concern of competition law or antitrust is incorrect because as much as uh, <clears throat> as much as the technology markets are a concern of competition law labor markets are too and as much as the formal markets are a concern of competition law informal markets are too i understand that the data we have and uh, <clears throat> we have about informal markets is scarce but there has to be at least an effort to fix the anti competitive conduct in these markets uh, because it it has ramifications for uh, the scheduled class and the scheduled tribes for that matter in fact so the first way the first link has to be the expansion of state stakeholders in the competition law framework 
moving on to a more obvious point that we have to protect small traders and organizations from uh, abuse of dominance primarily and even lateralization to a certain extent now we've achieved that to a significant extent i believe the cci and the competition uh, act for that matter provides enough guidance for that where we could uh, potentially do better is to understand the concept of dominance from a less orthodox or a less traditional view because dominance in contemporary markets does not entirely work the way it used to at least let's say 10 15 years ago so if we can understand the manner in which let's say data for that matter uh, impacts or network effects impact the dominance of a certain entity we i believe that protection of small traders and organizations will improve and thirdly and not lastly we have to get rid of an inequality agnostic view in competition law now this is a very interesting point and this is a this is something that the, uh, international organizations are also doing research on but distorts in india's stars um, i did write an article something around it a few months ago essentially the point i'm trying to make is that when you look at various aspects of competition law when you look at consumer behavior for example you have to not have a uh, not have an agnostic view to demographic issues or to demographic uh, characteristics let's say gender for example now let's say that we and this has actually happened before the cci now assume that we have uh, an information or an investigation against a salon right and of abuse of dominance let's say now the way you define that relevant market for salons for salons for hair treatment as a slightly wider market which will eventually lead to the salon not being or might lead to a salon being less likely to be found dominant in the broader market is there but now if you look at consumer behavior and consumer preferences then you might just see that salons for women and salons for men are interestingly different markets they do not cater to the same consumer base they have different uh, services in a lot of cases and if you are investigating the salon in the <coughs> women care or sorry in the uh, in the relevant market of uh, women beauty services or female uh, hair services then a narrower relevant market might just allow for us to understand that okay this there is actually dominant in the market and we can proceed with that uh, analysis so this is just an example uh, let's take barriers to entry now barriers to entry essentially have been <coughs> limited to capital and government regulations etc but what about social barriers to entry what about uh, entrepreneurs or female entrepreneurs not being able to enter a relevant market because of patriarchal norms or because of the kind of uh, setup they are currently in because of gender related issues that they do not get access to finance and access to capital because a lot of formal financial institutions uh, do consider them to be <clears throat> less tra- uh, have less credit savviness which is not true but is a product of a prejudice and a product of patriarchy now if we ignore all these realities we will constantly constantly start continue looking at competition law or all these concepts in an agnostic way where we will not understand the extent to which anti competitive conduct or barriers to entry for that matter can have a different impact on men and women on the upper class and the scheduled class and on the economically privileged and the less privileged so these inequalities exist and just by denying them we are not going to solve any problem so these are the three main points you have to protect small traders you have to expand the purview of stakeholders and you, ha- you have to get rid of an inequality and nonsense view in competition law uh, thank you sir for pointing out these three major issues 
related to competition policy and inclusive growth connecting the need for promoting small traders as well as protecting small traders recently unted organized a global policy dialogue on msmes and competition law from 1st to 3rd december uh, do you think uh, msmes should be given opportunities because we see msmes as micro small uh, micro small and medium enterprises or say startups or say small traders but uh, do we need to make them uh, smaller or dwarf them or dwarf only do you think uh, msmes should be given opportunities to become unicorns in the economic race um i'll tell on that point i would say that it is imperative that msmes have an equal opportunity to be successful and contribute to the economy but we have to reposition our roles a bit here the role shouldn't to be to be a unicorn now this might come across as a slightly center left view but inclusive growth does not mean that we concentrate wealth in hands of the few as is happening so with the role of building the unicorn we will be moving in that direction now the role should be to have the maximum number of players in the market compete at a sustainable high value and competitive level we don't need another ptm we need dozens of successful non unicorn companies for that matter yes definitely that's an interesting view and uh, there might be uh, varying viewpoints in this uh, uh, in this uh, issue on this issue but let us uh, move forward to uh, humane antitrust as we named this podcast this episode so what actually do you mean by humane antitrust do you have any model in mind any ideal legislation or existing competition regime in any part of the world also which regime according to you satisfies social justice standards for competition currently i believe either the regime that comes even close to incorporating social justice standards or as human human antitrust as we've started to call it over the past few months is the south african uh, regime now the south african regime in the preamble itself tells us that the goal of the competition framework in the country is not just to have economic regulations and to prevent anti competitive uh, anti competitive conduct but also to ensure that the historically disadvantaged communities uh, are not <clears throat> are not, do not suffer further and have an equal opportunity to participate in the economy so they come very close and they do it in a very smart and at the same time a very efficient way now let's look at the merger control framework for that matter now when the competition authority of south africa they analyze the merger and the anti competitive conduct sorry the anti competitive effects the merger or the acquisition may have they also look at the impact it might have on the social and economic uh, development or welfare of the historically disadvantaged communities uh, which has suffered uh, let me just point out over oh, because of apartheid over the past 10 20 30 50 years uh, <clears throat> uh at least so they look at that and now while analyzing the merger if they look in that anti competitive effects they will also look at how this merger may or may not impact the welfare of the historically disadvantaged community um for example when bodotlin was able to make an acquisition in south uh, bodotlin uh, south africa was about to be acquired now the merger was not allowed to go through for a very uh, important reason that the shareholding of the historically disadvantaged communities uh, in the target entity would effectively be reduced from somewhere around 60% to zero and that was a basis for the competition authority of the uh, country to not approve the merger so they do it in a very in a very efficient way wherein they do not 
they have not had to radically uh, change their competition policy framework but have just added and have just uh, complemented it with certain social justice considerations so as much as human antitrust might sound like a radical or a very uh, disruptive idea it's actually not all we're asking for and all a lot of people in other jurisdictions are also asking for is that you think about it you shift your priorities a bit as i said you know include more stakeholders um <clears throat> focus on gender equality and class focus on these essentially <clears throat> these uh, intrinsic nature of our culture because we also have like social inequality is a very interesting part of our demography and our culture which has been there since forever so we can't just continue ignoring it we have to look at it so the only thing that we are asking for is to change priorities a bit and expand the stakeholders so if you do that i think we will have taken a very important step towards what we are right now referring to as humane antitrust yes sir that's an interesting view as well as a very important uh, observation to be taken care of to be taken note of by antitrust regulator as well as the competition uh, professionals not only in india but throughout the world throughout the globe uh, coming towards uh, a social justice point of view again why social justice important to be part of competition policy what will happen if we neglect social justice over commercial interests of india inclusive so i uh, told you already why social justice is an important part coming to the second bit as uh, that is often let in social justice now i do not believe that social justice and commercial interests are competing uh priorities they can complement each other and any good policy should be able to complement them now there should be a balance and if we continue to neglect if i'm being blunt then nothing new will happen to be honest what we'll see is the continuation of the pattern we've been seeing since the early 90s i would say is that you know competition law is not the first or the last framework to ignore the realities of an unequal india continued apathy in the competition framework and other laws for that matter will just continue to widen the wealth gap that has already been existing in the country so all we are looking forward to is even more unequal wealth uh, structures and essentially the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer so that is what we have, that is what i predict will happen in the future if we don't take certain if we don't take certain measures yes and uh, coming to our Uh, last observation maybe what is your opinion about business ethics uh, role of morality in competition law and uh, csr initiatives which are taken by india inclusive so essentially aditya i believe that responsibility of ensuring ethical competition in the market primarily comes not on the private players only but also on the government and the relevant agencies including the cci now businesses will always prioritize profits over ethics that's the way it has always been they will try to have a sustainable inclusive and <clears throat> ethical way of doing business but they, it will never uh, it will never take priority over making money because that's what the that's what it is now in this context it's the government that needs to ensure that regulations are not at at the same time not unreasonably stringent because we want ease of doing business in the country but they are still uh, equipped to control anti competitive conduct in the market so a very important part of that would be let's say the cci's independence for that matter now in recent times there have been questions about how independent the cci is uh, from the control of the central government now this independence is very important to maintain 
for if nothing else to but then to ensure that at least the priorities of the commission and the investigation strategies are driven by the role of the acts preamble and nothing more so i believe the but also stops at the government and at the cci wherein <clears throat> they have to ensure that ethics and morality are what guides healthy competition in the market yes sir thank you a very relevant observation as well as uh, it can be if we we have to prove or say execute the title of today's episode that is human antitrust if we have to implement human antitrust then i believe that it's a public private partnership and uh, uh, thank you sir for uh, uh, accepting uh, my invite as well as being a part of this podcast in conversation with ipr and competition law any concluding remarks uh thank you aditya this was uh, really helpful this is one of the first times that uh people who are advocating for human antitrust or for simply to just have social justice and public interest and increased relevance in competition law have had a platform to voice their uh, opinion and i believe that in the future we will get more opportunities to basically ask the government and ask the policy makers to look at it in a slightly different way so that we can have a more inclusive India. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you so much and uh, have a great uh, year ahead as uh, this podcast will be uh, published in the first week of January so hope for the best. Uh, thank you so yes. much. Yes. Same to you happy new year. Happy. Bye bye. Bye.